You're listening to Faith in the Real World, presented by St. John's Lutheran Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm Graham Zima. This podcast, hosted by myself and Pastor Mark Tede, discusses topics and ideas surrounding faith in exactly as the title says, a real-world context. If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to our YouTube page. And if you would like to know more information on St. John's and all the different things we do as a church, log on to stjohnsmpls.org to learn more. That's stjohnsmpls.org. With that, let's dive in, and thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark Titi, and welcome to Faith in the Real World, episode 13. Again, I'm Pastor Mark Titi, and we are here today with a very special guest. This is Ann Paulson, the Assistant for Ministry at St. John's. We are, we're grateful to have Ann with us today as we explore a little bit of what is it like to work in the front office of St. John's Lutheran Church as we start to emerge from this pandemic. So, Ann, first of all, how long have you been at St. John's, and what have your many various roles been over the time that you've been here? I've been here since about 2002. Um, I first came to accompany the oratorio chorus for the Messiah rehearsals. And then our director at the time, Joyce Larson, invited me to play for the church choir. So I started doing those rehearsals and playing in church, and that got me into the worship services. And one thing led to another. I became a volunteer in the office um, and then became the, um, an assistant for ministry as we developed a new role in the office, a part-time role. Very good. And so you've held the current position that you've had then since 2015, 15, 16, somewhere in there? Something like that. Yeah, good. What's the, what's the most rewarding part of the work that you do? Oh, I enjoy all of it, but I think that during COVID, it became obvious that it was the people and the connections that we were able to make um, and continue with people, even though we couldn't, we didn't usually see each other very much. Um, and just adapting to all of that. I think the developing the role, everything is kind of in process and adapting to whatever needs to be done and working with the different people in the congregation to accomplish the things that they you know, want to do with their ministries, just, just helping and doing more and more things, um, working more with worship and planning and, um, I don't, I can't think of, I don't know. Well, that's, that's a good answer. I think that was right on money. And I know that, you know, prior to COVID, um, I remember you, you and I would sit and we, you were working on what you were working on, and I was working on whatever I was working on on a, any given day. And the door would open three, five times during any average office day. It would be a member that would just pop in to say hello, sit down. Um, I remember Ron 
a member of a church, Ron would like to come in and talk about the bushes and what we're doing with the lawn, those kinds of things. Um, that's one of the things I've always loved about St. John's as being pastor here is that people felt totally free to just sort of pop in the church office. Has that changed since we've had the pandemic? Well, I think since the pandemic, I think um, people are certainly coming back. Ron has never really stopped. <laughs> and, um, you know, there are others that, and it can be like one day. I mean, one day last week there were like, it was Grand Central Station. But then for three days you don't see anybody except staff, you know. Um, so... I think the people are coming back. It's just, it just depends on what's going on. Yeah. And I think it's even been plenty of that in the summer. You usually think summer's nothing going on, but things have been going on. Yeah, right. Um, it's been a busy summer for us in the office, for sure. And it's been, I think it's really starting to crank up now that we've hit summer. I think, I'm hoping at least that people are starting to really thinking about re-engaging in the life in person, of uh, being an in-person presence in the ministry of our congregation starting September. That remains yet to be seen. But um, we also have a volunteer in the office, Deborah Dunham. And Deborah's just done an amazing amount of work. What, tell us about what Deborah's been able, what, what has she been doing for us? Uh, and why did she start? Yeah, um, well... I was diagnosed with a couple of cancer episodes um, last year. And last fall, um, I was going to be kind of in and out with treatments and surgeries and things like that. And one day, Pastor Mark asked me, well, if you could have somebody help you, who would it be? And I said, Deborah, right away, because she's chair of our worship committee. She knows a lot about um, different functions in the church and is very active in many areas and and um, I knew that she would probably be comfortable with computers and learning things and she was and she came in and loved it and could hardly get her to leave she really you know she really enjoyed coming and she has just continued to be a real backup person and a real um, help her and, um, you know, I'll ask her things, um, just to double check things for me, just kind of, kind of has my back, I think. And, um, and I know Pastor Markson really appreciated her help too. Yeah. Um, cause there were sp big spans of time I wasn't able to come in, even though I could do remote work. Yeah, perfect. And I know that Deborah has expressed a couple times to us many things that she loves about being in the office and seeing sort of the inner workings of what's going on. And um, it's been fun to watch somebody feel like, oh, they're pulling back the covers of St. John's, the administrative of the system. You know, it's, that's been fun for me to watch. But there's some challenges that she's run into. Um, what do you think is the most difficult challenge that Deborah fe faces on a on a week-to-week, day-to-day -day basis? Oh, well, I think as a, mainly as chair of the worship committee, um, she kind of adapted this um, task um, that I had been pretty much doing, but now she is trying to um, arrange for worship assistance 
um, for the various roles in worship, like readers and communion assistants and greeters and um, communion preparers. There are many different roles, and it's been difficult to try to schedule all of that and to, you know, take into account everyone's schedules and situations and and availability, and so I think that's her biggest challenge. Um, what I did want to say was that I was really excited, I think, when she first started to see, as a person from the worship committee who already knew a lot about, you know, how the service is put together in a way and what is part of the service and so on, but not knowing kind of all of the resources that are available and all of the detail that goes into, you know, preparing the service and having the worship bulletin ready. And I think I was excited because I could see how her depth of understanding of worship and appreciation of worship, I'm sure, grew just from having to do that. Mm -hmm. And that was really fun. That was fun. It was it was the the messenger as well. That's our our monthly newsletter is the um, messenger, and um, there was only a month or two I think that I needed to do that. But it was she was really stunned at, you know, the the amount of time and effort it takes to put that publication together. It's not a it's not a quick thing, but um, it's always fun when you get somebody that says, "Wow, that messenger looked really great this month," and the content was great. You know, it's it's a rewarding thing for sure. And she's a good proofreader, so she's really helpful. <laughs> She'll catch lots of things. And she knows things, you know, like yeah. she might have heard things that I wouldn't have heard, so she can make corrections and, yep. and keep us all on the same page. Exactly know. right. Another little aspect that we added to the office this past calendar year was that during the fall months of really mo November, um, we needed to go to taking um, tickets free tickets, but tickets nonetheless for Handel's Messiah in December. And we needed to have people come into the church office from the community or church or wherever and show proof of vaccination. And there were some remarkable stories we heard. Do you remember any of those stories that we heard? Oh, that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. Well, I mean, a man who his mother had always come to it. And he, I don't know that he had necessarily, but she had died couple years before or whatever and he decided well, he sort of wanted to check it out I think partly because of her and I mean he was really excited to do that and and just it was really meaningful to him and I think everybody that came in I mean nobody was complaining they had to do this and they were so appreciative that we were starting the you know that we were doing the concert again in person and that they could come. And um, I mean, one woman was a teacher and she, you know, I don't know, was talking to her on the phone, I think, setting up, you know, her answering some questions. And she was talking about how, you know, I said, oh, you, you know, you have been, I'm sure you've been through so much and all of this and she, was so looking forward to coming and she just got she just got choked up because it was so meaningful to her to be able to do some to come to something like this you know and just to find out how much it meant to the community and just to put a, a name and a face 
to the people of the audience. You know, yeah, I've been involved as an accompanist and sometimes an organist in the Messiah for, you know, 15 years or at least or something, but never really get to know the people who come, you know. Yeah, that was a remarkable side effect I did not expect at all. But just because we required proof of vaccination in order to get a ticket, suddenly they're walking in the door and we're hearing these stories of how meaningful the Messiah has been to that family for 30 years in some cases, right? Just, oh, remarkable. I remember a man standing in that office for like an hour and a half telling us how important this is to not only his sense of the feeling of the arrival of Christmas season, but the how profound it was that here's this little plucky progressive church in South Minneapolis putting on such a magnificent concert. Um, and he was just shocked that um, that it is so good and and just how important it is to be able to participate in it even as a as a as a person sitting in the pews you know I just well and then we have the woman who's been in every single performance yeah. but 30 I think this is 34 this year she and she said yes again <laughs> did you really yep oh, we great. just sent out him um, yeah so it's one of those remarkable things and um, um, you've you've heard me say many times as we go and we look at what is a church? What is a congregation? Is there any value of being a part of a congregation? A lot of people think that the pastor is the face of the congregation. And, and a lot of times that might be true, especially in a lot of certain instances. A, a pastor like myself is sort of the talking head that everybody gets to see. But the only commodity a church really has that we can market, sell, or grow, or tend to is relationships. And Ann Paulson is a remarkable steward of relationships for this congregation. People in the community, people from uh, the congregation, guests, visitors, friends, you name it. Um, Anne loves to know people's stories. And that matters to the life of this congregation as we try to reach into the community and meet the needs that are there, whether it's across the street at Justice Page Middle School or the high school at Washburn, or if it's just in the Tangletown area, or if it's beyond that. Tending of those relationships matters a lot, and it is a way for this congregation that we provide what we call the, the, the value of hospitality. It's one of our core values as a congregation, and it doesn't mean necessarily that, it's the, that when you come here that you're going to be welcomed. You would be, for sure, because it's one of our core values, but it's also how do we bring that hospitality into the world to let people know that they are loved and beloved of God with this generous, lavish, inclusive love of Jesus. And it's one of the things that I'm really quite proud of of this congregation. They found that value on their own with no input of mine. They are manifesting that value in the, the world on their own. And I intentionally, the one thing that I've intentionally tried to do is to bring into the staff leadership of this congregation, people who exemplify that value of hospitality, and Anne is one of those people. So is Graham Zima. And so are actually everybody that's on the staff of this church, they are hugely important to be able to not just um, provide hospitality interior, but hospitality all over the place. And so what, would you, what did you interject there? I was just going to say not only do the work, but... Yeah, that's exact. 
but be hospitable, you know. And when I was going to say, yeah. I, I listen to Pastor Mark's stories and Graham's stories too, and I enjoy them. <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> well, and thank you for tuning into this episode. We are grateful. Um, there's so much that it's hard to know really where to start when you tell the story of a congregation. You know, where, where do we where do we begin? Where does it end? Because any congregation of any size, it's about the relationships. Well, like you say recently, we're on the edge of something. Or you say it differently, but we're on the edge of something. And, you know, how do we step over that threshold? Or how, you say it differently, but... Yeah, I often have said that we're in a liminal age and we're emerging, but we're not fully there. And it's, it's, it's just out of reach. We can just see it. And I guess what we're trying to accomplish with the members of our congregation is, on the one hand, we want people to be wise because the COVID virus is still out there. It's highly contagious. And yet at the same time, we know that the deadliness of the, of the COVID uh, virus is significantly diminished for those who have been vaccinated. And so we need to get people um, to quote you, you have this beautiful phrase of we need to exercise our social muscles because over the 18 months or so of pandemic, we all got very used to not having to go anywhere. In fact, we couldn't go anywhere and we got accustomed to that. Well, and for introverts like me, it's like, well, that's, that's okay. That, my life isn't all that much different. Right. But for extroverts like Pastor Mark, that was really hard. Yeah. And for all of us during the 18 months, we got into a pattern. And the pattern was to stay home and make sure that we're staying healthy. And that was necessary and it was good. But it was hard. On relationships. On relationships. Yep. And so I, in, I, I continually hear new stories about men, women of all different various ages who are so accustomed to being at home and not having to go out anywhere that now that they are able to go out, they're afraid to go out. And I just heard of a new story, new case of that just yesterday of this young man. He's 26 years old. Um, used to love go out and be out and about and go to uh, bars and events and whatever. And he is deathly afraid. His family wants to go to the state fair and he is absolutely terrified about going to the state fair. And that's it. If the coming into worship, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that if we come into worship, maybe coming into this worship where we don't have 150 people in worship, we haven't had people on a normal Sunday of 150 people in 15 years. Our average attendance here is less than 50 right and now. And we have room for what, 250? This room will hold 508. So it feels cavernous for us when we've got 50 people in here. It's ten, one-tenth of the room capacity. And maybe that's a good thing right now so that people can come into this space, members or visitors or whatever, and just exercise the social muscle of getting out, being in a crowd inside a building for one hour, maybe hour and a half, maybe two if we go to fellowship hour downstairs over a donut and coffee. But it's a maybe it's a it's time to reinsert that discipline of being in person in worship. For some people, it's not time yet for lots of different reasons. Maybe their children have not been able to be vaccinated yet or maybe they need to be careful to not contract because they've got someone at home with um, that's immunocompromised and they don't want to be out yet. There are very real reasons why people should not get out yet. But if you can come, we sure would love to see you. 
right? I mean, it's one of the things that we talked about that, boy, it's been a long time since I've seen so-and-so. I really miss them. Yes, that I think that's it. It's like some, you know, some might say it's hard to come because they miss people that aren't there when we had a lot of deaths. But for me, I look at the, you know, the congregation and I, oh, I wonder where they are. I miss them. And then when they do come, you know, it's like, oh, there's this great big hug because you haven't seen them for months. You know, it's like, and uh, well, some of them might not be comfortable with a great big hug, but <laughs> um, it, it's, it's what you really want to do, I guess. It's been interesting to watch the response to the fellowship hour. So we have a number of people that come to the worship service, and then we, most of them are going, like 90% of them are going downstairs for the fellowship hour. And there they sit around those round tables, and we start that right at the conclusion of our service, which is usually right at 11 o'clock, sometimes a little before, sometimes a little after, but right at 11 is sort of where we're at. And pre-COVID, by 12.15, that room is empty. I'm locking the building, and I'm usually home by 12.40, 12.45. Almost every week, I have left this building before people left the fellowship hour, and I left at a quarter to one or one o'clock. There is a craving when people do come and they reconnect with the members and their friends and longtime members, they've realized how much they missed the, each other and how much they've needed to be back to socialize, to reconnect with these people that they've been worshiping with for years. And so it's fun to see that. I love it when those fellowship hours go along and they just sit and chat and new ministry ideas are coming up or new ways of engaging the world are being explored or just catching up and complaining about the twins or the Vikings. You know, it's just, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Do you have any other thoughts? No, go ahead. Anything else you'd like to add to the conversation today? Oh, well, I was thinking about worship and I think part of this whole you know gap in being able to go to worship forces us to reevaluate what we think about worship and what worship means to us and i think we need to really um look at that as a gift and try to try to come to some new um, awareness of that. And I don't think we can do that if we're not there, you know, and and yeah, we've done the online thing and maybe, um, I'm just not sure, but I think there it's a real opportunity for us to each one of us to really, um, look at what what worship means to us where do we fit into that how does it fit into our life um what what do we want to do when we come to worship what what are why do we come to worship why do we worship um and that's just something that's really come to me just now as we're talking um, and it's something I really need to do for myself. Um. That's a beautiful thought. And I think that's a, a wonderful spot that we can close our conversation. Because if we can remember 
that there is a there is a uh, there is a command of God to worship the Lord and only uh, worship the Lord and serve only Him. But what you just said was so profound that worship is also a gift, and that over the last almost three years, not being able to be in person for that worship and participate in the gifts that come to us through worship, we need to recover those. And remember that worship isn't just an obligatory thing one must do. Well, and it's not just a service on Monday, on Sunday morning, or whenever it is, Sunday morning. Um, it just came to me also that everything we do as part of the church um, is actually moving toward the goal of worship, of honoring God, of um, honoring one another as a child of God. Love that. Everything, you know, yeah, there was a professor one time that said that everything and is... kind of the center, but it's also kind of the goal. That's right. Everything either flows from our, serv- our time in worship or is moving toward worship, so that worship is the center cog of our life. Who said that? A professor of mine. Oh. Yep. And so that worship being the centrality of our lives. Um, there was an analogy I used one time. Um, the Trivial Pursuit game, do you remember that? There's a, there's a big piece. It's got six little pie wedges that are empty in it. And people think of that pie wedge sometimes as themselves and, or the, the, the piece as them. And then they fill each pie wedge with um, a, a PTO and a... Um, a racquetball club and a and a kids dance club and a lacrosse team and uh, um, a choir they participate in and oh now my life is full. When in fact the peace isn't me. The peace is faith. And everything we participate in our whole life are the pieces of our faith that we explore because of faith and the faith holds it all together. And if we can understand, I think if we can understand that who we are in Christ Jesus is a person recreated by God through the gift of baptism to give God honor and praise, then that centrality thing of worship and tending to our faith is something that is the goal, and it is also the inspiration to live the rest of our lives mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. And it's all about that relationship. Well, it's the fuel. It is absolutely the fuel. It is, yeah. It is exactly all those things. And on that note, we need to wrap this up. And on behalf of Ann Paulson, Graham Zima, I'm Pastor Mark Titi, and I thank you for tuning in and being reminded yet again of the gift of the relationships that God is giving to us to serve God, to love God, and to love our neighbor as best that we can. God bless you. And please remember to like and subscribe to our, our, our podcast Wherever you get it, whether it's Spotify or on YouTube, please like and subscribe so that you can get notified of all of our broadcasts. So again, on behalf of Graham and Anne and me, God blessings to you and to all those you love. And we hope that you come and see us in person at worship someday soon. God bless you and thank you for tuning in.